Well, good morning, everyone. Um, today, I want to start off with what we know. As we look into the Bible, maybe even watch some of the Bible like a movie today is, is going to be our goal. But I want to look into, uh, before we read it, maybe just some simple things that if you've been here for some time, you've heard a lot of. But I feel it's very important to have the foundation um, thoroughly laid before we actually go and watch this 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 movie this television of, of i think we'll be in luke 2 today for about 10 or 11 verses um is going to be the the main deal but what it is that we do know for certain is that jesus is god yes and that he entered into his own creation by stealth and that if the rulers of this world would have known they would have never crucified the lord of glory and what we also do know because of the Bible and especially the four Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, 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 the four living creatures, the, the lion, the ox, the eagle, and the man, the, all this prophetic symbolism of that, which is the identity of God and the way which we interpret everything that is of the scriptures, everything in the Bible, even the first you know, two-thirds, the first half, two-thirds of the Bible, we interpret through the person of Jesus in those four books. And this is what brings life. This is the gospel. And so we also, you know, being from around these parts, as far as the Hoff is concerned, we understand that our Genesis is John chapter 1. And that just as Genesis 1 says, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was like form and form without form and void, and darkness was over it. But God said, let there be light, and he divided the light from the darkness. John 1 comes and is an, is an exact, it's like the amplified version of Genesis 1. It says the exact same thing, but it gives us what we need to know in order to read the Bible and see God as he truly is. And that is, in the beginning, not only God created but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word also was God. Right? And so this is our key. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were created and made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. So we have God as the Creator, Genesis 1. We have God as the Creator, and His name is Jesus, who is with God, but also is God, in John 1. And John 1, verse 10 and 11 goes on to say, He speaking of the Word and the Lord Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world didn't know Him. He, God, the Creator, walked around on the earth without being recognized for who He truly was. He came to His own, and His own didn't receive Him. So this is very important for us as we want to, as far as students of this Bible, Disciples of, this, of, of the Lord, understanding that when we read stories and we talk about Him, we talk about God, both Old and New Testament, we're seeing this person, the one who literally came into the world, which was made through Him, but the world doesn't recognize Him or know Him, and that He came to His own and His own didn't receive Him. And so when we read in the Bible, we're understanding this. This is, this is our starting point, y'all. You know what I mean? And so as if, it's as if we're reading the Bible again, maybe for a lot of people for the very first time, and now I'm reading the story 
of this baby who's actually God manifest on the earth without anybody knowing. And last week we did, which I think was, is very foundational for the beginning of the year. I didn't realize this is, it's kind of a theme for me in the beginning of the year. We did his very first sign, the beginning of signs, right? You know, that was um, the wedding of Cana, right? This week I want to I go to the very first thing that he ever said. Because this Bible, if you think about it, how important do you guys think would be the very first words ever recorded by the Ancient of Days, by the I Am, by, by this one who is God and was with God? I would imagine there'd be a major Easter egg in there. Pun intended, right? You know what I mean? It'd be something like, okay, there's a reason. Like this, this book has been more scrutinized than any book in the entire creation for thousands of years. And it's stood up to it, this Bible that we have. You know, it's the most cohesive, congruent, pure, uh, you know, piecing together of these writings that anyone's ever thought or even imagined. You know, just just intellectually, it stands head like a mountain, head and shoulders above anything that's ever been written. You know what I mean? It's because all Scripture was breathed of God. You know, and granted, there's been things lost in translation. You know, there's been things mistaught or mistranslated. But we know that the author of this, if, if we're a Christian and you believe like this is actually the word of God, imagine someone handing it to you for the first time and giving you that Easter egg spoiler. By the way, the creator was with God and was God. Like, well, how is that possible? You'll see. And he actually comes to people and nobody knew it was actually him. And he says a bunch of things and does a bunch of things to unlock mankind. You'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to read this. I can't wait to watch this. And then it'd be like, what? I wonder what the first thing he ever comes out and says. He's been hidden for all this time. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, it's gotta be something. Seeing how prophetic and how everything ties together, you would think, right? The first thing he ever says, this has gotta be some, this has gotta be a hitter. Uh, or that's my my words, but it's got to be something. It's got to smash. And again, that's mine. Uh, it's probably it's got to be some profoundly important thing, you know. And so I think we're going to look at that today. The first thing that he ever says, the first thing that that ever recorded from the incarnation of God Himself, and it starts. Not the first sign, that was last week, but this is the first thing he ever said. It starts in Luke 2, verse 41. What we'll do is we'll read it. And by the way, he was 12 years old when he said it. So this is a 12-year-old Yahweh. The eternal king. Pre-teen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Saying things that are unmistakable. Because everything, the word of God, the expression of God does is calculated. You know? So verse 41 we start, maybe 10 verses, maybe 9. So Jesus had grown up, he, he, was, he was 12 years old. It says his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of Passover. That's funny in itself. He is the Passover lamb. This ritual of Passover that symbolized, was really just a ritual that pointed to something, was meant to point to him that he was going to accomplish for the entire world, set us all completely and totally free from the, from the bondage of the fall and, and release life back to us. And so they're going and celebrating this ritual and having to bring, even since he was you know, small, the actual lamb himself. 
which is just wild. It says, that, and he was 12 years old, and they went up to, to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus, 12-year-old Yahweh, lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, that's verse 40, 44, we'll go back to that. They went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and their acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously to which we get the very first words ever recorded from, from the incarnation of Yahweh. And he says to them, why did you have to look for me? Why did you seek me? Depending on your translation, both of these work. Did you not know that I must be at my father's house about my father's business? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? that I must be at my father's house? Like, was there any question? What, why would you even have to look around? But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. So then he went down to Nazareth uh, with them as, and he was subject to him. He was obedient to them and his mother kept all these things in his heart. Now that's a strange story. Jesus as a 12 year old boy is going to do the religious ritual that they've always done as a family and on this journey, which must have taken multiple days to get there, they're a day into the travels on the way back home after this Passover week, after this Passover festival, when they realize that he's not around. And I mean, there's a lot of parents in here now, and, uh, but it's just like, how much of a freak out fest would that have been? We've lost our son. But how about we've lost the Messiah that's been entrusted to us. You know, that's, that's, a really a, that's really a big deal. To where they're frantic. And they look for him in verse 34 amongst their relatives and their family, and they don't find him. So that one day's trip comes to a two days trip to get back. They might have cut it a little short because they were probably hustling to get back to Jerusalem. And then they still didn't find him for at least a day. Another 24 hours. And when they do find him, how relieved would you be? He asks, he, asks, he asks a question and he acts like it's like, well, what's the problem with you guys? Like, it's just like, no, what did you just say to me? That's what I'm saying. One of my kids is like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, you're so relieved, but you also think of like, think of like the stress on the parents. Think about Joseph's stress. Because there's so many things written about Joseph, his, the guy who was entrusted to be like his dad. Um, like in Matthew 2.16, you know, it's like when the wise men were coming and Herod was like, well, tells the wise men, or, you know, the, mag the magicians, the sorcerers, what do we call them, Christmas wizards, tells the wizards like, hey, like, tell me where he's at when you do find him so I can come worship him too because he really wanted to come kill him. You know what I mean? And when... The angels come and tell the, the magicians, say, hey, like, you know, go a different way home. Don't go back to Herod. 
Herod makes a decree to kill every child born two years old and under in Bethlehem. So it's like, but the reason Jesus got ducked out of that is because angels came to Joseph in a dream in Matthew 2.16 and said, hey, it's time for you guys to get out of town. Can you imagine Joseph's life? Hey, the girl that you're betrothed to, by the way, she's already, got, she's already pregnant. What? But it's all right. What? It's of God. Whoa. And you're entrusted to guard and to steward this, this young package. Talk about a pre precious cargo. Goes to Bethlehem, you know what I mean? Ends up living there for a minute. Then the angels come and say, hey man, you need to get out of town. What are you talking about? We've set up shop here. Where are we going to go? You need to go to Egypt. Go live in Egypt for a while. Go live in Egypt for a while. Jesus, little Jesus was raised in Egypt for a while. So the angels come and tell Joseph that. They, they moved to Egypt. Um, that's Matthew 2.13 when the angels tell him that. Then the angels come and tell, tell him that Herod ends up dying, right? And I don't know how many years later that was. But the angels come back to Joseph in a dream. like, hey, buddy, you can, you can move back to the land of Israel now. Like, what? We kind of settled in Egypt. You know what I mean? It's like, it's time for you to go back. So this protecting this little boy has become the, 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 <laughs> the steering wheel of their life, man. That's their life's purpose and mission is to cultivate and steward the, this child, you know? And it's like, hey, it's time to go back. But it's funny, he goes back. After the angels tell him that, they come and tell him, hey, you guys can go back. But then it says in Matthew, Matthew 2 again, they get back to Israel and God warns them in another dream. It's like, hey, by the way, um, not in Judea, not in the southern tribes, you know, you know where you'd actually, were wanting to move back to, um, we have a new step. I want you to go to Gal Galilee. Go raise him there for a while. And so, like, if you look at Joseph's life, it is, it is full of revelation from God and direction from God. And sometimes it's like, why didn't those angels just tell him to come move? I want you to move him to Galilee. They just said, go to Israel. Then, then when he got to, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to see this, the, the plans and purposes of God. Our job is often to be obedient to the Lord, even if we don't know step B and C and D. And when you follow through and you get to that spot, then you get the next place. Okay, it's Galilee, by the way. Like, okay, we're turning right or left. We're going right over here to this spot. You know what I mean? So Joseph's life is, is shielding and protecting this boy, but it's the oldest son. Now he's 12 years old. It's bar mitzvah. It's, it's like these 12 years old is the age where it was time for college, basically. That's where you enter into like working a, a trade, the trade of your father usually. You start to practice and learn your trade. And so he was coming of age, and so like that was like a young man to them. Our 12-year-olds, you know, we don't think this way. Um, but that's, that was a young, a young man, you know. So he's the, he's the oldest of the siblings, probably doesn't give them any problems, if you know what I mean. You know, and... and They've probably gotten a little bit relaxed because they feel things are safe. And um, now they've lost him. And in their mind, they know, and I would imagine Joseph knows as a dad, is like, oh my gosh, they've been trying to kill this boy since he was born. The dark powers of, that, of this earth have been trying to snatch this kid. And now I've left him in a big crowded city by himself. And not even close enough to actually have his back at all. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So how terrified. It's not just all my kids lost, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, he's lost and he has a mark on his head and we've let our guard down and we've really messed up. God trusted us with this and we just got laxed with it. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that's just like watching it like a movie. That's like, there's some real precious cargo. But Jesus is on another wavelength, right? He's sitting there in the temple with the teachers, it says, listening and asking them questions. Listening to them, verse 46 of, of Luke 2, sitting with the teachers, listening and asking them questions. Now, this is how rabbis taught. The information, the understanding, it's on the inside. I ask you questions, just like when God talks to you sometimes, and it causes you to bring those things out from within. So this isn't Jesus going to school. This is Jesus sitting there listening at 12 years old and asking questions to the highest level teachers in Jerusalem. And it even gives that away because it says, and they were astonished at his understanding, at his answers. You know what I mean? So it's not, this isn't him in class. This is classes in session. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve-year-old Yahweh's sitting there blowing people's minds. And, um, you know, to which his parents show up, and it's just like, what? And he's like, hey, I'm 12 now. Didn't you know? Didn't you know? I take dad's trade now. I take my dad's trade now. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what a scary little 12-year-old. <laughs> Didn't you know where I was at? So who was really lost? Who was in danger? Not him. Not him. Remember, like, if the rulers would have known, they would never crucified him. But at the same time, he was, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was God and with God. Amen. He comes into his own creation without being recognized. This is 12-year-old Yahweh sitting around with people. Finally, you know, com kind of coming and doing something. But I don't believe he's asking questions to learn. I believe that he's actually sowing seeds because he's coming back in about 18 years around those parts. And he's opening people's minds to what's coming. And it's just like, what a mind bender to see somebody of that age. You know, it's not Ricky Bobby, baby Jesus and all these things. This is Yahweh sitting there you know, in the shell of a human, in a human, <laughs> in a human zone. And it's like, who's lost? But one thing that I always, that I always thought, and I think this is Christian maturity there. Um, but in verse 44, they left, you know, he, he must have given them so little problem. You know what I mean? That they weren't even concerned with where he was. It says they were supposing that he was in their company. But when, when they realized he wasn't, they started to seek him amongst their relatives and their acquaintances, the, the large group probably that they were actually traveling with. And um, I feel like this is a nod to like comfortable Christianity. You know what I mean? Because like I think, I think a lot of times, a lot of people feel like they're having trouble finding God or maybe hearing from him. And... Um, but sometimes, especially like, I won't even say Western Christianity, just in, Christ, you know, in, in the religious game that this thing can become, just like them going to Passover every year, it's like, it just became such a ritualistic thing 
that they expected like, well, yeah, he just participates with our schedules and with our rituals. You know what I mean? And with the way, with our family traditions and the way we've always done things. He doesn't rock that boat. He just comes along with us and follows us in all those things. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? And um, thinking that God's just following us around, like he wants to do everything that we're doing. You know? But that's not really Christianity, right? Because if the Lord's our shepherd, then he's not following us around. It's like, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a turning that happens there. It's like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, a little whistle turn right there. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a turning. There's something different. And there's an aspect of life that we're moving through life. You know, it's true, and we're enjoying life, and that God is with us in all that we do. But that's when our life is centered on being in alignment with His will and purposes, the purposes of His kingdom. And when we're in that pocket, then his voice is loud and clear. But a lot of times when we're missing the direction and the voice of the Lord in our life, it could be that we've, gone, we've grown so comfortable in the status quo of the religious system and the machine and our family tradition and whatever else it is. Well, this is what we've always done. This is the type of church we've always gone to. This is the thing. You know what I mean? And we're like, yeah, well, yeah, well, that's just the way it is. And God just follows us along. You know what I'm saying? But it could be that his agenda and his business and his purpose can be different than maybe what we've been grown up doing, you know? But the beautiful thing is, just like Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Luke 12, 31, it's like, if you seek first the kingdom, if, you, if there's, there's a reversal, there's an about face, when we actually seek first his purpose, his kingdom, his will for our life, then all the things that we need are actually added to us. So that's just an aspect of the matrix, y'all. Like that kind of stuff that the world is hustling for, that kind of stuff falls in line. Purpose and destiny is found with coming and aligning ourselves with his purposes first above all things. And so Jesus' question there, which is kind of like a slap in the face if you think about it, is like, it's just like, well, man, why, why, why did you have to seek for me? It's just like, what did you say, little 12-year-old? I'll grab you right now. <laughs> You know, but this is God's voice. It's like, why was it that you had to seek for me? You know where I'm at. You know what I'm about. When you do this, you never lose me. You follow me in it. It's, it's a completely different game. I'm at my dad's house. I'm about my household business, the family business. And this is what unlocks absolutely everything I just work here yeah we just we're, we actually live to follow his voice a lot of times trouble hearing the Lord's voice or trouble trouble discerning the Lord's will um, we find his life-giving voice and we actually come into agreement with it we're not waiting for God to come and come into agreement with the vision for our life that we've concocted you know what I mean the river of life. You know, think about when Jesus was in the wilderness, right? And, and the devil's coming, tempting him and, and talking all stuff. And he, and he literally quotes the Deuteronomy. I believe it's Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8, 3. It's written, man will not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's like, there is a word that proceeds from God's mouth. 
That means it flows, it continually pours and comes out of God's mouth like a river. And sometimes sitting on the sidelines, wanting what we want and asking God to speak into it and not hearing God's voice and I don't have any direction for my life, I don't have any will, is, is, a, is a result of a mistaken um, uh, view of God as being the shepherd. He's not our tag-along, tag-along 11-year-old Yahweh. You know what I mean? Come on, make my wildest dreams come true, you know, Pedro or whatever. You know, it's, it's like, listen, it's, it's actually seek the voice of the Lord. Seek his, if you want to find his voice, his agenda, his purposes, you, you actually come to understanding what those are and you come into alignment with that, that's stepping into a river that is constantly flowing. And out of that river that's within you actually will flow rivers of living water. That's the abundant life of God that we're actually called to step into practically. You know what I'm saying? And so Jesus' words like there is like, hey, you don't have to look at me. You have to understand the Father's business. You have to just understand the agenda of God. Which, which what was it? Like, well, in a practical sense, he's sitting there in the temple with the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions in verse 46, right? And it says, all who saw him were astonished at his understanding and at his answers. But the point was, he was there to answer things and to give understanding. Understanding is the, the, the reality that, that unlocks every mind in the world. All deliverance, freedom from demonic things, all of it comes through understanding. Every single bit of it. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel, might. Like the understanding of the Lord is actually understanding what He's done, who He is, why we're manifesting something contrary sometimes, and actually having an about face in exchange for the healing that He has for our hearts and moving forward in Him. That's what the point of that whole thing is. And so He's there. I'm about my Father's business. Well, in a practical sense, what was that? He's like, I'm giving an understanding and I'm giving answers right now. There's an agenda. There's a purpose. I'm in alignment with what, what I'm here to do. You know. But I come into even more like, what is the... It, when we think about his... Don't you think I would be about my Father's business, about my Father's agenda? We can look at his life. And that's one thing that's so important about like theology. And theology being accurate, which is a big key word these days, and everyone fights and debates about it. Um, but it's nothing scary. It's what we view about God. It actually what we view about God causes us to have this this connection to Him that is clear, because we see Him as He truly is. And when Jesus is saying this to his parents, and then he's coming back 18 years later, and he's living this constantly, it's because it's just like his his half brother James would say about him later on that. In him there is no variance or shadow or turning. Like he's always been the exact same way, even when he was 12. Even when he was before the time and space. Even now as he, as he is, you know, in his you know, glorified state, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, the thing about Jesus, just like he was doing with those teachers there, he was imparting the wholeness of God. We actually were singing that today in, in the uh, forest song. I love that. I love when they sing what I want to talk about. His agenda, the Father's business, was the restoration of all things. And it wasn't just like, well, I'm going to die for all their sins. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, that was true. That was very true. He came as the true Passover lamb. That was his Father's business. But along the way, he never violated that plan. He completely fulfilled that plan in every step of the way, which was to bring the wholeness to the broken, to bind up the broken heart or sight to the blind. All the things that he did was the restoration of everything that happened 
that came from the fall. He was going to come and make the new covenant. Yes, he was going to pour out his spirit onto us. Yes, he was going to do all these things, redeem us for all time. But even when he walked around on the earth, when he was trying to stay stealth and hidden, he still could not but give out life and understanding and unlock people. That's all he ever did. You know, I, I was looking back. You know, there's, there's not one example of anybody that ever came to him that did not, relieve, did not leave from him made whole. There's not one person that didn't come after him asking for help, for wholeness, for healing, for deliverance, that he did not give it to and this is our theology, because this is the word that was with God and was God, and this is his agenda and the word. This is his father's business. And this is what unlocks our minds. Well, how do I, how do I hear the Lord? How do I have a clear relationship to him? I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with confusion. It's like, hey, some of it is actually coming back to the scriptures and seeing his father's business, the father's business, his business, what it looks like to be inside of his household. It's wholeness everywhere he went. Every button that's being pushed in our hearts is allowed by him because wholeness is on the other side of that door. That's all he's doing. I love the first guy that came to him was a leper. And that's the real question. The guy with leprosy, which was illegal for them to come close to somebody. In Mark 1.40, they had to yell from far away, cover their mouth and say, unclean, like that. Before, just so that you would know because they were so afraid of leprosy. But he breaks to some of the rules shows up in front of Jesus himself, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And that's the question. That's theology right there. If it's your actual will, if this is something you want from me, you can make me whole. You can make me clean. To which Jesus said, wholeheartedly, I am willing. I am completely willing. And he actually touched the guy. Which, which was disgusting to them, would declare him unclean to them, was controversial, and they were terrified of it. More than COVID, leprosy. Don't get around it, don't touch it. And he puts his hand out and he touches it. I say, I'm fully willing. And he touches something disgusting, and it's gone. And this is, this is just one person that comes to him. You can think of so many, so many different people. Mark 9, 29, the, the two blind men. You know what I mean? You know, he'll, you know, you can, he says, according to your faith, let it be done for you. It's just like, what? You mean according to your power, right? It's like, no, according to your faith. It's just like, it's just like the guy with leprosy. It was his idea. My faith is that if you're willing, you definitely can do it. But if you're willing, it'll be done. You know, the two blind guys, like you can do it. Like according to your faith. What is all these things saying? It's like everybody that's coming to him on his side of it, on, on his personal side, it was settled. Jesus is trying not to be famous when he walked the earth. He was trying to stir the pot so that they would crucify him so that he could redeem all mankind for all time. And trying not to stir the pot. He was telling everybody, blind people, don't go tell anybody that I did this for you. Like, how can you not? He was blind before. Paralyzed people. All right, keep this between us. How can you? He knew they couldn't. But what was, what was there? He was trying to slow the fame card. He was trying to slow it down. He didn't want to be revealed as who he was. This was Yahweh. The Father's business is complete and total wholeness. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. The centurion's servant. 
What did he, say? What did he tell Jesus? If you'll, if you'll just say the word. I got soldiers under me. Kind of like, I know you got angels under you. I know who you are. If you'll just say the word, it'll be done. Boom, your servant's healed. I haven't seen this such great faith like this in all of Israel. And this dude's, you know, Italian. Italian, they say in Texas. He's Italian, probably. I don't know. I think that's funny, Jamie. Thank you for laughing at that. People say Italian here instead of Italian. And now I say it all the time. That's all. I don't even say Italian anymore. But Jesus, I mean, it's because of your faith, you know. Granted, there was the woman he called a dog. Now, that's a little controversial, but we, I've done that so many times. You know, let the bread, you know, you know, woman, it's not right to give the children's bread to the, to the little dogs. You know, this is not what we think it is. He was, he was literally hi, hiding out by stealth. Things were getting so hot. She was coming out the door. He says these things, and she understands, yeah, even the crumbs. She's like, even a, this isn't for Israel. I recognize who you are. Right? That's the only person that looked like he rejected. And he's like, yo, man, great is your faith. Let it be according to your desire. Where was all the faith that all these people had? That he was powerful or that he was good and that he was willing? Yeah, the first one. The first one. You, you can do it. I've heard you're doing these things. But what about for me? The leper and everybody else. Of course. Of course I got it for you. Even against his own mission, trying to stay, like he could not help but be who he was, even when he was trying to be hidden. You know what I mean? It's the Father's business. Everybody that came to him was healed. Everyone was made whole. This tells us his agenda is wholeness. The Father's business, the business of his house, are complete restoration and empowerment in all things. That's what he's showing his parents. That's what he's stepping into. And it's just like, hey, man, I think a lot of times we get into a place of seeking the Lord for something we want or we're thinking, which is definitely not wrong. But we can be outside of our lane when we separate the agenda and purposes of God from restoration and wholeness and complete and total life, you know. And it's just like what we were talking about, like spiritual maturity, you know, from for the first 11 years, they expected him. He's a pretty good. He was almost like a sheep. He followed them around, you know, he didn't cause a problem. But there's there's a time in our Christian walk and in our Christian life when the more maturity we're stepping into. Where it's not as okay to be selfish about things anymore. We're actually having to learn like, hey, like I'm about the business like, oh, so we're here to actually do something. Um. That river of life that flows from the throne of God, that flows from our innermost being, we actually come and we partner with Him. We get behind what He is doing. We're not looking and searching for Him to just endorse us in whatever we choose to put our hands to. You know what I mean? We come to get behind what He's doing to be a partner. But the beautiful thing is, is that we all have a place in it. What's even better than that is we've actually been created for that business. It's like that is our dad giving us the keys of like, hey, when you step into this mindset, that is love your neighbor. I can think the only person that he, that he turned away, which I mean, he didn't really turn away, but it was, it was the rich young man of Matthew 19, 16. The guy that comes to him and he says, you know, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? 
And you know, the King James kind of butchers this and, and makes it something that it's not because there's sows of thread that kind of tries to undermine Jesus' divinity. But anyways, some of the stuff that's written in there is not written in there. But in, in like the ESV and a lot of the good translations of that, it, it, it settles it. But what good deed must I do to have eternal life? But Jesus said, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. If you would enter into life, then keep the commandments. It's not, why do you call me good? Only God's good and all that. It's like, why do you ask me about what is good? You see this man that's coming to him according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like, hey, what's the good side that I can do? What's the, what's the transactions that I can make in order to enter into the, into the kingdom of God? It's like, hey, man, there's only one who's good, and that's God. Like, you, got, you actually come to him, and this thing works out. It's, it's not like... You're developing your five-year plan. You have, you're, you're an investor. You're doing all these things, and you've got some way to purchase your way into it just to make your fully alignment. You know, you're thinking God's actually going to come and, 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 and bless what you're doing. He says, there's only one who's good. Keep the commandments. He said, well, which ones? Jesus says, well, don't, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. You know, honor your father and your mother. You'll have your neighbors, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says, all these I've kept. But why do I still lack? In other words, something's missing. I got my five-year plan. I got my, I got my hustle going. But it's just like, but what do I still lack? He, he senses the eternal seed of that Ecclesiastes 3. It's like there's something bothering him. But it's like, yeah, but, I, but I'm doing all that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not clicked in. I'm not locked into my lane yet. I can feel it. I can sense it. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect which is, you know, teleos. It's, it's like if you want to be complete and whole and mature, which is what we're talking about, if you want to be completely filled, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. You know? It's like you're working out all this stuff. It's like actually come and follow me, who is Yahweh. It says when the young man heard of this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions and it's just like we think well well jesus didn't turn that guy away you know what i mean he was living the life but he just fully wasn't there but he's like what am i missing it's just like hey that kind of stuff has got you occupied in a way that you can't pursue me but release it and actually come give your heart fully step into alignment with me come to the father's business you've been successful in this life maybe it's because of your dad maybe i don't know what it's because of like you're having everything and it's not scratching that itch. And you're like, yeah, is there something else, some other good thing I can do? It's like, oh, that's thinking through the t knowledge of good and evil because the, the good side is just as bad as the evil side in that tree. And it's just like, that's not how it works. There's only one who's good and that's God. Come follow me. In other words, come follow God. Come follow me wholly, completely and totally with your life. This isn't, you know, this is not about you know, money. This is about like actually success in the place of where your heart is actually at. This isn't like sell all your stuff and live at the Salvation Army and then, then you'll be a real good Christian because even that would be the knowledge of good and evil, trying to do something in order to get something. He's saying your heart is not where it needs to be. But he gave this guy an opportunity to be with, to be with his crew. I mean, there's 12 of them there that their names are written on the foundations of the city. of You know, I mean, these guys, it's a pretty important big deal. He had an opportunity, talking about an investment, an investment like Apple or you know, Tesla, you know, whatever it is. Like he had an opportunity to be one of the disciples, one of the 70. Maybe he could have creeped up and took Judas by. I don't know, but I'm saying he could have, he's like, come and be one of the followers that's wholeheartedly with me and, and I'll train you and teach you into this life. And it's just like, nah, that's too much. 
You know what I mean? How sad is that? That's terrible. But it's just that same, that same thing that breeds confusion in so many people that are searching for the Lord's voice. It's like, well, I was kind of hoping you'd just follow me. Like, you know, the way I want to live, like, I could have the God thing there. You know what I mean? That'll be nice and comfortable for me. And maybe I could be successful still. And it's just like, ah, success. This is not, this is, this is a trap. Success is the wholeness and life and love that is the heart of God and living the kingdom of God. I mean, he tells his disciples, nobody who's left houses or lands, all these things won't receive manyfold in this life and in the age to come eternal life. So, he, you know, there, there's, some, there's some little Easter eggs there, some little, some little cues right there that he's telling his guys like, hey, listen, the investment pays off in this life. So this isn't against financial miners. All that stuff happens in following him. We seek first the kingdom. That guy just, he, his heart was locked into it. But the real point, what I'm trying to make, is not even focus on that one person, because he didn't get turned away. But it's like, the reality is like, the agenda of God was the wholeness of God. And we're living in this life, the exhilaration of being able to walk with him and know his voice in all that we do. Continuing to live our life and our jobs, our, you know, everything that we're doing, doing those things with excellence, but the keys that unlocks the door of success in life and destiny and purpose are found in knowing Him and allowing often the, the issues of our heart to be addressed by Him as the Good Shepherd. You know, Because we think it's about a five-year plan, but it is not. It is about knowing Him and being conformed into His image. But in that walk, in that reality, every door will open that is meant to be opened. And shut that is meant to be shut. That's the key of David, which is the cross. You know what I mean? That did go into Golgotha, the skull, the, the mind of mankind to unlock us from the cap of this carnal plastic world to live an unlimited life. You know. And the beautiful thing is I was about my father's business. It's just like, wait, you've told us how to pray to God. And it starts with the A word, Abba. So that's our father's business. You know. Imagine learning that, which we are all learning. You have the business, the family inheritance of being those who administer and release and proclaim and manifest with power the wholeness and the restoration that God has purchased on the behalf of every living man and creature. All of creation really is groaning for it. You mean there's like property and land and climates and stuff that could be healed by this new covenant? Like, yeah, it's meant to go everywhere, dude. It's meant to touch every type of animal. I mean, it's meant to touch everything. You know, St. Fern Gully, you know, but it's, it's like, I mean, it's, 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 it's the Bible, man. It really is. It's true. And we can actually come into agreement with this purposes and plans. I love it, man. I love the Easter egg of, of Luke 2, you know? It's a story about Jesus who was lost for three days after the Passover and then he was found. You know what I mean? Talk about being forecast. That's going to happen. What, 18 would be 30, 19, 20. So 21 years later, that was going to be happening. Jesus was going to go away for three days after Passover. But he's going he to pop back into the scene. Um... So that's, that's, that's interesting. There is a sweet spot in this life and it's walking in relationship to the Lord and His agenda is wholeness and life and restoration 
and it is to release life, which causes us to partake of life. We think that we're accumulating things for life, but it's like when, we, when, when our hands are open in life and we're seeking to be the vessels of life, we live, we come alive into the ones who we're called to be. It's our identity and it's our, it's our inheritance to live our father's business and be a part of our father's house. So, well, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your word is true and that you've given us such an incredible opportunity to follow you and to know your voice in all things. And let us not be those who are, you know, we get into, I know discipline's good. You were disciplined as a human, but we don't want to get into the rut of just running with the religious scheduling system. We want to be in your, in your inheritance, about your business, the purposes and destiny of your household. Lord, help us to, to literally find our place, which is in you before the foundations of the world. And those things which you've put in our heart to come alive, help us to tap into the reality of what it looks like to be your vessels and your imagers on the earth, the agents of the new covenant, the agents of restoration of healing. Let it happen through our person, through our vessel, through our, through our being, but also out of us. Let us touch. Let us touch everybody in the circles that we walk in with this thing. Amen.